Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, we're going to come around to the Word of God uh, this morning, and uh, I've been talking about strength. I don't know about you, but we need strength in this season. And uh, we need spiritual strength, we need emotional strength, we need inner strength, and um, strength is one thing that God just has got tons of for us, amen. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so there is a freedom, when you have freedom, there is a strength that comes with that freedom. And so we're going to be having a look at that again today. And in Genesis chapter 32, there is this great story of strength, and uh, it's not when you read it, it's not really when you look at it on on first levels there's so many different levels to this story about Jacob wrestling with the angel and I don't believe it's talking about physical strength it's talking about spiritual strength and I want to have a look at that story here this morning because I believe there are some great keys that we can learn from them how God actually draws strength out of our lives who knows that things that you go through in life when it comes to understanding that God is the Lord of your life, God can always draw strength out of every experience that you ever go through. Come on, who believes that this morning? Say amen. That no matter what you go through in this world, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Those things that the enemy wanted to use to destroy you, God uses for your good. And there's this great picture here in Genesis 32 about Jacob wrestling with the angel, that I believe it is a lesson that God uses to speak to us about the way that He draws strength out of our lives. And so we're going to read this today, Genesis 32 verse 24. It says this, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now when the man saw that he could not overcome him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with men and you have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendons attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. You know, a couple of weeks I spoke about strength, and what you feed on will strengthen you. And uh, talked about when you feed yourself on the Word of God, it is going to strengthen a whole bunch of areas of your life. It's amazing what people are feeding on when it comes to lockdown and not just physical food. Who knows that you can eat a lot of junk food in in lockdown? Everyone's gone real quiet on that one. But I'm talking about the things that you feed your mind with, the things that you feed your emotions with. And there's so much stuff that is out there that when you feed on this stuff, it just adds nothing to bringing strength into your world. But listen, church, when you feed on the Word of God, when you feed on what the Word of God says about you and about the future of your family, it brings strength to your character. It brings strength to your spiritual man. It brings strength to your convictions. It brings strength 
to you resisting to be irrational. It brings strength to godliness that stops you from doing things that you're going to regret later on. Come on, who knows the Word of God gives strength to you. It doesn't diminish you, it increases you. It doesn't weaken you, but it strengthens you on the inside. It doesn't make you go to bed at night full of worry and fear and concern about what's going on in the world, but it brings peace into your life. It's what the Word of God does. And so we talked about that. If you want strength, you've got to feed yourself on the right things. Well, uh, today I want to talk to you about what you use, you'll strengthen. What you use, you'll strengthen. And it's a leadership principle in life. You know, I just think there are many areas in our life that we are often weak in, not because we are inherently weak. And often the enemy says, well, you're weak in that area. You'll never be good in that area. But because we just don't use those things enough, we don't put them to use, we don't exercise them, we don't develop them. You know, over COVID, when the gyms shut down, uh, before COVID, I was going to the gym every single day and my strength was rising and I was lifting a certain amount of weight. When I came back out of COVID, my, the ability for me to lift went up here all the way down here. I was almost embarrassed what I was lifting. I couldn't even lift the bar anymore. And it's amazing that when you just stop using it, you lose it. You know, think about some of the people, you know, I, I remember counselling someone about them having a fear about making decisions. You know, there, there are just some people in life that they just don't feel that they're strong in decision making. And so they're so fearful of getting it wrong, they often just can't have the ability to actually make decisions. I used to be like that, so nervous that I would get it wrong, that I just found it so hard to make decisions. You know, some of you guys have heard a story when Franklin and I first met and, uh, you know, I, I just dragged the relationship on for a, a couple of years longer than what it should have been because I was so scared of making that commitment to actually get married. And uh, when we, you know, we finally did, I said, this is the best thing ever. And she goes, yeah, I worked that out a couple of years earlier. But there are just some people in the light that they just are so scared to make decisions, but I've realised this over my life, that decisions is one of those things that the more you make, the better you become at them. If you want to make good decisions, keep making them. Make bad ones. Get back up on your feet. Keep going again. The more you make, the better you become at them, the sharper that you become. And see, when I look at this in Jacob, I kind of see this drawing the line in the sand of what Jacob was before the wrestling with the angel and what Jacob was after the wrestling with the angel. And I just see this idea here that God is about to strengthen an area of his life that lay dormant for many years. And you know, when you look at Genesis 32, verse 24, if you think about it, it's really a picture of the way that Jacob had actually approached life. See, the reality was Jacob throughout his whole life, I mean, he was a wrestler, wasn't he? He wasn't a physical wrestler, he wasn't part of the WWE, but he was a wrestler in the way that he constantly had to wrestle things in life. You think about that wrestling the birthright out of his brother Esau, the way that he had to wrestle with Laban when it came to his future and who he was going to marry. I mean, this guy constantly in life was constantly living in a wrestle, wrestling opportunity and wrestling to get ahead, wrestling to beat the other guy, just wrestling to get blessed. You know, and when you read about Jacob's life, you never see it was the easy road. You always see it was the hard road. You always had to pull something off and fight something through. It was never the straight road. It was always all over the place in Jacob's life. 
And even though he was strong in these attributes, God had more for Jacob. And what we see here in the spiritual wrestle, there is a turning point in Jacob's life where there is a line in the sand where God does something profound in this man. It's interesting that after the wrestling, you see that Jacob goes into his home and gets rid of all of his idols. Prior to that, he was living with the idols. But now he said, you know what? We're going to be a family that are going to follow the ways of God. We see after that, that he sets up an altar to worship God. And it's not just one altar, but it's multiple altars wherever God had helped him, wherever God had intervened. We see there Jacob set up an altar. Prior to that place, when he had an encounter with God, the Bible says that he set up a monument, kind of a pillar, but he didn't set up a place to worship God. Now, after this moment that he has this encounter with God and he wrestles with the angel, he begins to set up altars all over the place. There's almost this idea that Jacob is getting a spiritual revival, a spiritual awakening of actually submitting himself to the purpose of God. God now gives him the promises that he'd given to Abraham, right? He says this in verse 11 of 35. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. Church, there's this kind of idea that there's this line in the sand we're now the spiritual strength that is coming into Jacob's life. And now he's no longer focusing on the natural and all the things to get ahead. But now he's deciding, I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to be that spiritual head that God has called me to be. I'm going to be that spiritual man that my father Abraham was. And, and sorry, my grandfather Abraham was. This is the type of person that I want to be. And we're seeing this guy who's now putting all of his energy and focus into being a spiritual leader in the house. You know, Paul says we don't fight against flesh and blood. Our, the fight for the destiny of our family, for the future that God has for us, is in the, in the, in the heavenly realm. Come on, who knows that this morning? And so the challenge is that we don't, wrestle, we don't wrestle just on what we see, but we wrestle with the unseen. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, where Jesus talks about all the natural things we wrestle with in life. And yet he says, what, what profits a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Look what Paul says to Timothy. He gives Timothy great advice. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, prior to that passage, he's talking to Timothy about all the natural things that we wrestle in in life. And let's be honest, life for us, we all have got a bit of a Jacob in us. We are constantly wrestling, wrestling opportunity and wrestling a whole bunch of stuff. But Paul says to Timothy, right, he talks about the natural things that you and I wrestle with, like worry, like finances, like food and clothing, right? He's talking to Timothy about wrestling with controversies. Come on, who knows in this season there are more controversies than ever before. Every day there's a new controversy. You can't have the Olympics without there being a controversy. There's always controversies, right? And in society, we are constantly wrestling with these con controversies, conflicts. You and I, throughout life, we wrestle with conflicts, relationships, working together. All of us wrestle with these things. But Paul says to Timothy, and this is, again, a line in the sand that we see in Jacob's life. 
Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, let's shift the focus. Let's become strong in other areas, in spiritual areas, rather than always wrestling with these other things that only have some value, but they don't have the significant value that if we actually shift our focus. And look what Paul says to Timothy in chapter 6 and verse 11. He says, but you, man of God, after all of these other things he's mentioning, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. You know what? I've heard that phrase misquoted so many different times. I've heard that phrase being used in political campaigns. I've heard that phrase being used. Come on, fight the good fight. I've heard that phrase being used on people that have a certain opinion about a cause that they're pushing. Let me say this. That passage has got nothing to do with politics. It's got nothing to do with our personal causes. The good fight of faith is the fight of Jesus Christ and understanding that God is called to save the world and what He did on the cross for us. The good fight of faith has got nothing to do with our personal biases and our personal causes and the things that we're passionate about. If you're going to quote Scripture, let's quote it properly. The good fight of faith is the faith in the Lord Jesus. The internal faith, the faith that changes your life forever when you give your life to Him, when you surrender your life to Christ. So you guys want to say this to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of of many witnesses. What what does Paul say to Timothy? He says, all this other stuff that we wrestle with, fear and finances and controversies and opinions, all that, he goes, flee from all of that stuff. Go after godliness. Go after righteousness. Basically, go after the things that have actually got eternal value in your life. Because listen, church, they are the things that are going to bring strength. They're the things that are going to bring health to your soul. They're things that are not going to keep you up at night and worry you, but they're the things that are going to bring blessing. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. And Paul says you've got to pursue these things. There's this connotation in the Greek there with, kind of an attachment of persecution to it. In other words, you've got to wrestle these things. You've got to wrestle in your own life to go after godliness, to go after goodness, to go after faith and love. And Paul says to Timothy, leave all that stuff behind. Can I encourage you as a senior minister, even though for those that are watching online that would call faith your home, in this season, flee all the other stuff. Go after the things that have got eternal value in your life. Don't get caught up in all the rubbish that adds nothing. I'm so passionate, the pulpit started to shake. Because I knocked it. Just don't go after all the other stuff. Pursue means to press on. Paul saying to Timothy, there's a new wrestle that produces incredible effectiveness. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, the faith in the Lord Jesus. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. 
So we all, need, we all know this, right? I'm preaching to the converted here today. We know that we need to be spiritually strong. We get this. But if we go back to Genesis 32, we see that there are some things that God uses in His infinite wisdom to bring strength into our lives. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. It's not about telling you what we should be doing, but how can we receive that strength that God actually abundantly wants to give? Well, Genesis chapter 32 speaks about this in, in some of the most unusual ways. And we're going to quickly look at that this morning. The first one is this, is that what we see with Jacob wrestling with the angel and again, how God brings strength into Jacob's life, spiritual strength. Number one, God will often redirect what he has put within us for his purpose. Let me say this, God will often redirect what he has put in us for his purpose. I think one of the big lessons in the story of Jacob and what I love about this passage is that God uses the nature of Jacob. Think about it. This wrestling nature, this going after things nature, this nature that God has created in him and God reshapes it for a spiritual purpose. And that produces the promises of God in Jacob's life. And I would say this, this is not a theological statement. I would say that this is a Matt Hines observation. You know, people have often found it strange that Jacob would wrestle with the angel and yet he'd over, overpower the angel. I mean, angelic beings in the Old Testament, if you were to do, you know, history on them and, and things like that, you, you would see that they were p- uh, beings of incredible strength. And to think that a man could over, overcome a heavenly being Right, is almost preposterous. But it could it be that the angel kind of held back to create enough tension in the fight to keep Jacob engaged to make this a life-changing experience and a lesson for Jacob that he would carry with him for the rest of his life. To utilise this thing that was in Jacob and repurpose it for the glory of God. And I would say this, that in the fight, God was speaking to Jacob in Jacob's language. God was using the best method possible to arrest Jacob's attention, to shape Jacob for the new season that God had for him, to shift his focus from from natural values to supernatural values. And you know what? And just like God speaks to us in our circumstances, and just like God spoke to the donkey, to the, uh, through the donkey to the prophet, and just like God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, bush, God speaks to Jacob in the fight because it's the fight that Jacob knows best. And he takes that part, church, that is unredeemed, and he turns it around and says, I'm going to use it for the glory of God. He takes the giftings that he's put in Jacob's life and he repurposes it, he re-gifts it. God is not like us when we, when we re-gift a gift. Come on, who's ever re-gifted a gift? It's one of those embarrassing things you don't want to put your hand up for. I think there's two types of gift that you re-gift, the ones that you don't like, the ones that you know have been used. God is not like us. He doesn't re-gift the things that we don't like. God re-gifts them for a high purpose. 
He repurposes them for a higher purpose. And I want to say this to you today. One of the things that God will bring strength into your world is that God will use the strengths that He has inherently put in you. And He will repurpose it and reshape it and redevelop it for His glory and His kingdom and His purpose. God has given you intelligence. God has given you a mind to learn. God has given you business skills. God repurposes those strengths. You don't throw them aside and say, well, you know what? Those things don't apply anymore now that I've gotten saved. No, God, like just like Jacob, this inherent nature in Jacob to push things forward. God says, I'm going to use that for my kingdom, praise God. Isn't it great that God uses everything? Even the things that discourage us, even the things that we get down about ourselves about. God says, I'm going to use all of those things because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You look at Joseph, God used every experience, didn't he? Every disappointment, every temptation, everything that Joseph went through, God used it. And Joseph was wise enough to understand that when he stood before Pharaoh, the accumulation of all the stuff that he'd gone through in his life was about to come to bear so that he could actually be a great blessing to the nation of Egypt. You know, there are some things that we go through as people. Listen, they're not there to hurt us but they are there to engage a heritage in us that is not yet utilised. A promise, a potential, a future that has not yet been activated, that we can't get to with our carnal mindset. We can only get through through the promises of God. And there is a shift in Jacob. We see a gratitude. We finally see a recognition. The Bible says that Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw the Lord face to face, and yet my life was spared. Then the sun rose above him and as he passed Peniel, he was limping because of his hip. He recognised that he had an encounter with God and God spared his life. This encounter wasn't there to destroy him, but this encounter was there to push him to the next level. As a result of that, there's a change in name and there's a change in walk. See, what happens? What does God do to draw the best out of you? Number one, there's a change in name. And number two, that there's a change in walk. I've always found it interesting if you think about it, this supernatural encounter that Jacob had with God has actually incapacitated him somewhat. In other words, his walk is different. He's no longer walking like he used to. Maybe it was a proud walk. Who knows? Maybe it was a confident walk or an arrogant walk. But now he's limping. What I find hilarious is that he's limping to meet his brother. And to be honest, he's that nervous that his brother, who's really wild, is going to come after him. He needs two good legs to run if his brother comes after him and wants to kill him. But now he's incapacitated. He can't run. He's limping his way to the next part of his destiny. You know, one of my kids, when they were young, they had a, a turning eye. And so we went and saw the, the, the doctor and the doctor told us in order to strengthen that eye, they need to patch the good eye. And they need to put something over the good eye, which kind of someone who's not medically trained, you think, well, hang on a minute. Why would you kind of weaken the good eye? But the point was in order to strengthen the bad eye or the turning eye, you need to put all the pressure on that eye in order for it to right itself. And if you think about it, there are seasons of restrictions that we go through. It's funny, we're in one right now that I believe are there to produce a spiritual response in us. Church, they are not there to produce frustration. They are not there to produce anger. They are there to produce a spiritual response. I find it hilarious that, 
that Jacob is now maimed physically after having an encounter with God. What you and I do is when we get maimed physically, when someone hurts us physically, we have the direct opposite. We get mad and we get frustrated and we say, you, you, you've restricted me somewhat and you've limited me and maybe it was a deal that went bad and now your life has changed forever or maybe someone hurt you or maybe someone criticised you or, or maybe something went on that now your physical emotions or your physical body is less than what it actually was and you and I go, oh, you know, how can that happen? We get mad. But here, he has an encounter with God as not physically maimed. But listen, it wasn't there to hurt him. It was there to produce a spiritual response in him. To build something in Jacob that he never ever had before. The point is this, is that God uses everything to produce something in you that you've never ever had before. And can you believe that no matter what you go through in life, whether at times there are physical things that have hurt you or discouraged you, that in all of that God can use to bring blessing and favour if you understand that he wants to build the spiritual man in you. Think about the early church the amount of persecution that they went through. And yet they chose, in one sense, to be restrained in their physical response. And in one sense, they did walk with a limp. They did walk slightly incapacitated. They chose not to fight. They chose not to be antagonistic. Why? Because they understood that their fight wasn't flesh and blood, but in their heavenly realm. And do you know what? Every time there was, you know what their response was? Every time they were persecuted, You know what their response was? Every time they came under difficulty, they prayed and they looked after poor people. They prayed and they looked after poor people. That was their response. They could have engaged in 20 other areas, but they said, we're going to come together and pray and we're going to look after the needy people in our city. And do you know what exploded the church in the New Testament? They prayed and they looked after needy people. And their reputation preceded them right across. Yes, the Holy Spirit came and the power of God fell, but there's a whole bunch of practical things that took place as well because the church understood what God had called them to do. You think about it, in the Word of God, many times in God's Word, when you encounter God, there's a restraint that you decide to put on your own life, not to act a certain way, not to engage in a certain action, not to be free to do whatever you want. We don't say that my body rules my life, but we say that my body is submitted to the will and the purpose of God for my life. So we get so caught up about being maimed, but there's a deeper thing that's going on here. God is producing something of great eternal value in Jacob's life. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 28. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led to sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. He goes on to say later on in other passages that he bears on his body the marks of Christ. He's walking a different walk. Part of him is maimed from this point onwards because what he's done for Jesus. But Paul doesn't care about that because he understands that he's a spiritual giant in the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I want my spiritual man to rise up in this season. I want my spiritual man to be strong in this season. 
I want my spiritual man that is resilient in this sea. It doesn't matter what happens around me. There is a confidence and a security and a peace that the enemy cannot take away because I fed myself on the Word of God. You encounter God. What God does to bring the best out of you spiritually is that we see with Jacob, he walks with a limp. His walk is different. Number two, he changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And in that name change, in the Old Testament, when someone would name you, there was this idea that there will be an authority that they would have over you. It was almost like God is saying, I'm in control of your life. I'm now the master of your world. I'm the authority over your life. Can I say this, that when you and I gave our lives to Jesus, he changed our name, didn't he? We now became sons and daughters of God. We now became children of God. When we were ashamed, now we're free. When we were broken, now we're healed. When we were hurting on the inside, now we had comfort and peace. We had a new identity in Jesus. He renamed every single circumstance. Have you noticed that when you gave your life to Jesus and you said, you know what, that was there to destroy me and God renames it as a point, a turning point where God brings blessing and favour in your world. He has given us a new name. We're anointed, we're loved, we're set apart, we're called, we're vessels for God to use. He's the authority over our lives now. I want the musicians to come. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not out of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Listen, church. God wants to repurpose what he put in you for his glory. He wants to take your strengths, the strengths that you've that you he's put in your DNA. He wants to repurpose it for his kingdom. Don't look at the things that have maimed you in life. Don't see them as discouraging things. Understand that God is doing something in you and me that is far greater than what this physical life can actually understand. And even in our maiming and in our hurts and in our pains. God wants to build strength in your life. Make the spiritual man rise up. And you and I can do that because He's washed our past clean. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. It's very hard to be strong when you're carrying baggage. Maybe online right now, you know, you don't feel strong because you're carrying baggage. Jesus Christ went to the cross so that you don't have to carry baggage on a daily basis. You and I can actually be free of all the stuff we've done wrong, all the issues, all our bad decisions, we can come to Him and ask for forgiveness. He wipes the slate clean. He gives us a brand new start, a brand new beginning. He gives us a new name. There's almost like with Jacob, new name, you're gonna be called Israel. From that point onwards, a few chapters later, he's named Israel and everything shifts. Everything changes. That's the power of God's work in our lives, amen to give us strength in moments. You know, when the world is freaking out and there's emotional weakness and there's concern and worry, listen church, this is our time to rise up and show people there is a better way and it's found in Jesus Christ who is our rock and our salvation. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.